Hi, and welcome to Total Rewind, the Filmmaker's Compass podcast, where we discuss movies 30 years and older and see if they still hold up. I'm D-Man, joined by CP. CP, how are you doing today? Good, man. This one's uh, taking it back a little bit. Well, it's an interesting film for us to talk about on Total Rewind. We're going to get into certain elements of the movie, but also this movie holds a very special place in the history of a very special company. The movie, Disney's 1989 animated classic, The Little Mermaid. So we are finally, we're diving into the Disney animated classics. I'm excited because the role this movie plays in Disney's history is huge. And not only that, its role in the hand-drawn animated pantheon of the greats, The Little Mermaid's up there. It's pretty interesting. Obviously, we both got a chance to rewatch it, even though this is a movie I think we both grew up with, correct? Pretty sure any kid that was alive in the 90s grew up with this movie. Really quick, on that note, kicking off Little Mermaid, do you consider it a uh, quote-unquote girls movie? Obviously, Ariel is a Disney princess. A lot of girls have dressed up as Ariel for Halloween. You know, they have Disney princess parties and all this different stuff, but I'm not going to lie. I loved Little Mermaid as a kid, and I really enjoyed rewatching it now. I feel like that's kind of a weird question. As a kid, it never appealed to me in the way that movies like Aladdin or Mulan even uh, did where I just felt like there was more action than The Little Mermaid. Um, I will tell you this though, as a grown man, I have gone on dates with women and had the conversation. You could be anything other than what you are. And on one hand, I can count the number of women who told me that if they could be anything in the world, they would be a mermaid. I don't know any men who've done that. So I mean, King ah. Triton was pretty badass. I mean, he's yoked. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And he's got the Triton. He's literally, I think he called it like his Mer Kingdom. He's ruling it down there. See, it's one of those interesting things. I bring it up only because when Disney was actually producing the film, they were animating the film, executive producer Jeffrey Katzenberg was worried that it would be a girl's film and that would actually affect the box office. To me, I mean, The Little Mermaid, even though obviously the character endures, I think, in a more practical way with girls, the legacy of The Little Mermaid is an animated classic. I can't think of any of my friends friends who haven't seen it who are guys everybody saw the little murder no i think you're right I actually, when I think of it, it's been a bit since I've watched the entire movie in its entirety, I guess. But I think of a lot of the times the songs, Broadway style, musical that The Little Mermaid is. I think of the characters, Flounder, Sebastian, King Triton, obviously Ariel, Ursula. They're they're very memorable. They're well animated. You know, it's hard not to forget them in a somewhat simplistic fairy tale story they got going on here. They literally do go for true love's kiss at sunset on the third day. And if you don't, your soul is mine. You know, like, it almost goes back to uh, Snow White, given the apple or... Wait, Mm -hmm. is that Snow White or something? That's Snow White, right? Snow White has the apple and she falls asleep. Okay, that's what I was saying. Because then I was like, Sleeping Beauty, but I got to rewatch some of Also falls asleep. Yeah. Point is, I don't know, I want to throw it over to you. Can you give us a little history on where the Little Mermaid actually comes from? Because... While it is almost always associated with this iteration and Disney, that is not the case. No, it's based on the Hans Christian Andersen story by the same name, which was almost 160 years before the movie. Walt Disney actually considered adapting it into an animated film during his time when, you know, he made all the original Disney classics. Wasn't able to, so they came back to it almost 30 years later, and that's what we got in 89. 
it does have that vibe of kind of the early Disney classics. Like, yeah, you could not only see it. Yeah. Like it, it has that quality. I don't know. It's interesting because when I looked doing a little research on like the Hans Christian Andersen story, it was a little bit darker. I think we need to address the fact that as far as a G rated kids movie, this movie is actually very dark in its own right. It does have right. right, Like the 32nd version of it is a teenage girl gets mad at her dad. She sells her soul to a witch. I'm like, right there, like, that's a really dark movie. But you're right. It it is weird that the Hans Christian Andersen one is even darker in many ways. I think there's a part in in the story where she has the ability to turn back into a mermaid if she stabs Eric in his sleep and the blood drips on her feet. I was like, that's a dark book, dude. And the way it ends, which I guess has been controversial since the story was originally published. But I guess in the Hans Christian Andersen one, she in fact does die. She dies. And- I guess the author himself claimed that there shouldn't have been any religious undertones, but that was applied and people thought that they had, I don't know if it was gone to heaven, but at least, you know, there was some religious aspect to the ending and it's controversial to this day. And apparently, I don't know, Disney didn't want that. They wanted the uh, rainbow happy ending. (laughs) Where they're both married on the, on the marriage cruise or whatever it is. Wedding. Yeah. Right. They totally got it. I don't know. It's interesting though, because not only is Disney reinvigorating some of the Hans Christian Andersen stories here. And I think the other major thing they do is bring back that Broadway musical style to animated features. And that's a major credit to Howard Ashman and Alan Menken, who I read were responsible for the musical numbers in this picture. And it is worth noting that this movie did win an Oscar for Under the Sea, which is, I mean, come on, is it not the best song in the movie? Oh, it's great. However, Kiss the Girl is a pretty good song, too. I like Part of Your World. They're all yeah. good. I mean, dude, yeah. we, we yeah. know the songs, you know? Yeah, you've been singing them forever. Nothing hits quite like Under the Sea. When the instruments come in and it crescendos and the way it's animated with all the undersea life contributing their part to the song. What an amazing animated Broadway song. It's fantastic. Obviously, this movie is famous for kicking off the successful revival of Disney animation, what's now considered Disney Renaissance. It's one of the major features in all of those films during that 11-year span of successful animated movies. I think it ran something like this. The big four were The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and Lion King. But I think the Disney Renaissance included films like Rescuers Down Under, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, A Nightmare Before Christmas, technically Toy Story. I thought it went all the way to like the Tarzan movie and Mulan and stuff. Yeah, I think technically it actually ended, I think, uh, Tarzan. So that included Pocahontas. But if you actually look at all the films I just named, that's like a big chunk of our 90s kid childhood. Oh, no, you're, like, you're totally right, dude. I saw a bunch of those movies in theater. Yeah, I did too. I don't know. I, I look at it now. It's funny because if I go back and watch The Little Mermaid, if I go back and watch Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, or The Lion King, I still know the songs, particularly yeah. to The Lion King, which yeah. I, I think to this day is still like the largest, like quote unquote, hand-drawn animated film of all time. It's which, crazy, man. When Little Mermaid came out, each movie got bigger yeah. and they made more money, which is like freaking crazy. Especially when you think at that time, as, as popular as Disney animated classics were, and at this point, you know, we have Disneyland and Disney World and the characters and everything live on in the parks. To think that they were some of the biggest movies of the 90s. That's well, pretty wild. Lion it, King's got to be up there. Absolutely. Disney was at a 
well, kind of the opposite position they are now, right? There is a lot of things going wrong in Disney. They were in huge financial trouble. They had had a number of films which underperformed, especially on the animation side. What were they? Like the Fox and Cauldron. Some of those ones, uh, I think they even did Sword in the Stone, like late 70s, something like that. It did okay, but not these type of numbers. It wasn't such a huge hit. And I think, honestly, it's weird, but if you go to the theme parks, that's often slightly reflected you know you see the parades and different stuff like who are the characters <laughs> these ones not those guys you know i don't see anybody in the parade from the black cauldron <laughs> did you ever see the black cauldron never did i did once it was really creepy maybe we'll have to talk about it on this podcast yeah you know it was interesting especially when you think of it as a disney film that's i think what's more shocking did want to bring up something which i don't know if you knew this but when i was doing research for this film of course i was clicking through not only little mermaid and hans christian anderson but disney and the disney renaissance i guess in the 80s disney as a company the uh, animation department i guess they were considering just axing the animation department which is wild yeah disney animation is like you know one of the most magical elements of the company but whatever yeah i don't know if you've ever heard of this you know i I know we've both heard of blackmail apparently disney was in financial trouble and someone some investor came in and he like bought up all their stock and it's called green so he got some sort of controlling stake in the company but he didn't want anything to do with disney he just wanted them to pay him out so he'd just go away and i guess green mail is like yeah like you do that and then just walk away you made whatever 10 million dollars you know because they don't want you on the board or in you know any sort of power position but i guess it saved disney in a way because it brought in i think is it michael eisen and so this is you know i think there's actually like a documentary about this on disney plus so if anybody listening is interested you can get this like in detail it's fascinating i think it's called like waking sleeping beauty but it was fascinating to me reading about it and everything because I guess he came in and they were like, hey, I mean, the one thing that makes Disney different than every other film studio is the animation department. Not only does Disney have the classics and the clout to be in this business, but they actually have the resources and the department to bring this to life with green lights. Just We just need the projects. And I guess, yeah, the first ones were, uh, I think it was The Great Mouse Detective and The Little Mermaid. Okay. And that's how that all started. Correct. Correct me if I'm wrong, but another Mm -hmm. significance about this film is this is the last 100% truly hand-drawn animated film from Disney. Which, re-watching it is wild. When you think about the bubbles and when they're underwater, how everything kind of flows and ebbs and flows like, you know, if it was underwater. I mean, to animate all of that must have been insane. Because yes, I think you're correct. After this, they started introducing elements of, I believe they called it caps, but really it was Pixar. They had the computers doing some of the heavy lifting when it came to the animation. Interesting. Which actually is fascinating. Like, I I mean, it blows my mind. Like, I'm sure there's a documentary out there too where you can watch like the origin of Pixar and how it's all related to Star Wars. Got to get our Star Wars reference in. <laughs> how all of these things are like interconnected. It's, it's incredible. But this was the last one that kind of uses that entire old school hand-drawn format. Honestly, I would love to see how like if they did a documentary 
documentary just on the animation of The Little Mermaid because I thought it was so well done. I mean, obviously, anytime something's hand-drawn, there may be some oddities here and there. Think about the scene where the storm rolls in and the ship catches fire or even the end battle sequence when Ursula rises. You know, you think about the ability, they're animating like scope and scale and it was incredible. I thought it looked fantastic. It's amazing. And when you think about it through that lens that it's still done the old way, you can't help but have more appreciation for it. Yeah, I mean, I think if we're just taking a look right now, I think, you know, at Disney and The Little Mermaid's place and kind of this overall legacy, I think it's a huge pivotal moment for the company and for animation because it kept that kind of high quality fairy tale tradition alive was quite cool. I think the movie itself, like when you dive into some, you know, they, they have quite a few things to do with like maritime and, you know, nautical elements. They have a shark chase in a sunken ship. And, and a hurricane. Have, yeah, they have a hurricane. They have like on the deck of a ship singing a song which you know there's no beer or rum but i'm sure it was there somewhere very pirates of the caribbean ask uh they made sure to have a ton of the underwater type creatures and all this different stuff i thought it was was a lot of fun you know some of the things that really stand out i forgot about like the scene with sebastian and the cook guy with the knife that used to be my favorite scene when i was a kid i don't i don't know why but i like until i watched it i was like shoot i haven't thought about that in forever <laughs> and then like when he shows up at the end at the wedding scene and he like sees him again yeah loved it one of the things too king triton i don't know if you got this but like part of me was like you know you're really pushing ariel away he asked Sebastian at one point, he's like, was I too hard on her? And I'm sitting there on my bed watching it. And I was like, yeah, I think so. Well, especially that part where he goes in and he's like, and he just like destroys her human collection. Yeah, you know, it's almost like it, gizmos. Yeah, galore. You know, it's one of those things like to me, I'm watching it and I'm like, and do you think your daughter's going to be like, thanks, dad, for teaching me such a valuable lesson for destroying all my shit. I was, <laughs> I was like, I really don't think this is going to have the effect you want it to have. It's going to have the opposite effect. It's going to push her away and in fact it does rightfully so because he was kind of being a dick mental note for if i ever become a dad you know well in the crazy thing is despite the fact that he pushes her away at the end he actually sells his soul and gives up oh, his yeah. kingdom for her and, and i think that's actually what good parents do right i mean obviously he loves his daughter and he's just look saying he literally says it like three times it's like i just want what's best for her but there's just you know that's not the way to go about it ah man you're making it worse question for you who uh -huh. was your favorite character in this movie because there's a lot of very memorable characters throughout another character that really stood out to me i just did not remember this at all was uh what's the seagulls scuttle scuttle he literally if you watch he everything he does is wrong i know it's everything hilarious. what's a fork he tries to get a pulse from a foot he yeah. mistakes eric for a dog he yeah. like everything he does is wrong Except like at the end, he gets the hint that like he has to go wreck the wedding and does appropriately. So he kind of has his, and he, you know, he Han Solo on, yeah, yeah, heroic yeah. moment. I, I don't know. I like he really stood out to me in a fun way where I was like, I never that like as an adult, it's like I kind of got it. I, you know, when I was a kid, I just thought he was kind of like stupid. It's this great play where he's actually trying to make himself important and sound really smart to the other characters because they think he knows all about human life. When she rescues Eric, he's on the beach and she's like, is he alive? And he like opens his eye and he's like nope i don't think so <laughs> you know i don't know he stood he stood out to me and i thought ursula was pretty wicked 
especially Definitely when a great she villain yeah at, like at the end a certain way she's very villainous but like ariel signed a contract at first you know i was kind of like yeah. ah, you know i don't know you kind of gotta fulfill your end right i mean mm-hmm. I, i'm not saying that's how ursula not being helpful at all she's being opportunistic villainous but not awful but when she does has that moment where she's like oh i gotta step in myself i was like oh bitch you also wrote a contract. You are the worst. You're going to go and kind of mesmerize this guy with a stolen voice and all this stuff. I'm like, I don't know. Just for the sake of being able to get your way. Yeah. Hated Speaking after that. of dirty, I think this is a great segue. Now, you may remember this because I'm assuming you had this yourself at one point. Oh, yeah. I had all the Disney classics on VHS. So for anyone listening, not watching, Christian is holding up the original Plastic Haste, the Little Mermaid VHS cassette case why is this important because this film had a little bit of controversy upon release and this original case still has the uh, phallic shaped castle which uh, is not on the re-released dvd (laughs) and actually watching it on disney plus some of the i noticed that the controversial scenes uh, have been removed oh i didn't know i haven't even checked that and apparently this was piece of controversy in the 90s i didn't really know or care when i was a kid but you know i guess there's a lot of pta moms that did yeah but i mean like i've kind of seen that youtube video that was going around at one point probably like 10 15 years ago where people were like there's hidden sexual messages in disney films Mm -hmm. and i don't know i like even at the time i was like i I mean i mean i would be hard pressed to believe that all of that was intentional i'm not saying that nothing could have happened people have done that i mean isn't it a (laughs) isn't it a joke in fight club when he's like (laughs) Yeah. He puts in like a one frame and everybody's like, oh, like I wouldn't put it past someone somewhere to do that. But I mean, to think that it was this kind of like under the table secret at Disney where like they got to sneak in sexual references in all the movies. I was like, I doubt it. Some things are just coincidental, but I mean, I wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if there was like a one off somewhere. <laughs> Was it enough to court controversy? Because I think there was actually a lawsuit over it and some weird stuff related to Little Mermaid. I, I heard doubt that. It. And I always felt like it was such a reach hearing about it. You're like, I mean, feels like a lot of people who spent way too much time watching these movies over and over and over on their VHS player back in the day. Yeah, for real. So you asked me who my favorite character was. Who was yours? Was always a fan of Sebastian. For one, he bests the chef. Two, all the best songs are sung by Sebastian. That is true. I think one of the cool things that The Little Mermaid also does is, for the most part, not in every instance, they do make Ariel somewhat of an active heroine in her decision making. Where I think when you go back to some of the classics, particularly Snow White and Sleeping Beauty, from what I remember, as I said earlier, it you know a lot They're of very passive. Yeah, a lot of things happen to them. They don't actually make a lot of personal choices where Ariel's kind of empowered here. She does do a lot of no, you're right. She she cool uh, things disregards her dad and keeps going to the surface. She rescues Eric. She makes the decision to go see Ursula. She signs the contract. This is a very active character who is making decisions, progressing the story on. So I mean in that way it's great story. Yeah, I don't know screenwriting. I don't I don't know if the little mermaids, you know, winning any feminist points on this character in this story. But I mean, as far as character goes, I found her to be kind of an active hero. She was making a lot of her own decisions and had problems with certain people, which I thought was fine. Yeah. Entertaining. We gotta, you know, ask the question, do you think the Little Mermaid still holds up? 
obviously, as I said, this was not my favorite Disney film when I was a kid. This movie came out over 30 years ago and you still know the words to the song. I think that's a, a testament to its stickiness and, and the fact that it, it still holds up. I don't know what the viewing numbers are on Disney Plus. I mean, we just added to it, I think. But, you know, <laughs> there's still a ride at Disney's California Adventure. I think Ariel's Grotto or whatever. You still see Ariel and the characters from The Little Mermaid in the parades. And, you know, they're a big part of I'm sure if you go on a Disney cruise. <laughs> yeah. And it spawned two been. sequels and a remake, right? A live action remake will be coming based on this film. Which... Does it hold up? I think yes. Like I said, in the, you know, the pantheon of all the great animated films of all time, I think The Little Mermaid has a rightful place on most lists. There's especially, you know, now that we've gotten into that kind of 3D animation, if you go just to that real traditional 2D ink and paint hand-drawn animation, then 100%. I think it's it's a marvel that they were even able to pull it off with making it feel like you're literally in water, that there's bubbles, they have to animate people's hair differently. Mm. Found mm-hmm. that interesting. I was like, yeah, I, mean, I, I think it, it totally holds up. And then, like you said, the songs are classics. Yeah. I mean, for most people, if you put on Under the Sea or Part of This World, they know the lyrics. They most likely are like, oh, Little Mermaid. I think this movie will be seen by the next generation of kids and the generation after that. And even after that, you know, may it get lost the way that, you know, maybe Snow White has. It's possible. Give it another 30 years, maybe. Because you think about it, you know, if we were talking today, Little Mermaid is when we were kids, right? And this came out in 89. If we were born in 87, that would mean 57 was 30 years before us. And this movie's over 30 years old at this point. That would take you back to the original Disney classics. And that's brand new for us. Well, we're, you know, now we're 32 years past that. So I'm like, give it a couple generations. I'm not sure how much everybody will be checking it out. We'll see if Disney Plus is around in 20 years. But (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think this is a classic and it totally holds up. So really enjoyed it. Yeah, is there anything else you want to add? I mean, listen, we've been doing this show for almost uh, an entire year now, and we haven't hit any animated classics or any of the Disney specifically. So I was kind of excited to get into this. Obviously, maybe a little more so just to be talking Disney classics because I grew up on these, loved them. Yeah, it was a nice change. I was thinking about it when we did it. I was like, why haven't we done any animated films of any kind yet? So we'll have to do more because... They're fun going back and checking them out. At least from the Disney Renaissance, because those are the ones I know you and I can talk about. We can quote. We know the songs. You know, maybe we'll end up doing something fun, like a sing-along on this podcast. Uh, I don't don't think we need to do that. I I really don't think we do. Just throwing it out there, making it a little bit... (laughs) (laughs) A little bit more interesting. To our listeners, let us know what you think. Out of all the movies, Disney, non-Disney, do you think uh, Little Mermaid deserves its place in that list? And do you think it holds up? Be sure to continue the conversation if there's any kind of uh, favorite scenes, any trivia related to the film. Actually, on that note, we're talking about our listeners. Danielle actually sent us a message and she was giving us some trivia about some, some of the episodes and some of the movies. So we do compile that we love hearing from you guys that's something we might actually do kind of a a little special episode of filmmakers compass where we're going to take a look at some of the comments and feedback we've received so we love hearing all that stuff it's great thank you but keep the conversations going you can find our website at filmmakerscompass.com and you can find all our social media links and everything there to subscribe to the show so throw it over to you cp take us out thanks for hanging out and talking about the little mermaid with us been a while since i've watched it probably has been for you too 
Oh, I have meantime, one last question. I, I just want to know where you're at tech-wise. You uh, said you have Disney Plus. You held up the DVD and the VHS. Which way did you actually watch it? <laughs> I watched it on Disney Plus. Okay. Well, then, Disney, if you're listening, I hope you appreciate that. <laughs> you got two subscribers here. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> Take us out. Thanks for hanging out and watching The Little Mermaid with us, talking about it. I don't know what I'm saying here. The point is, <laughs> keep watching movies. We're going to see you next week back here.